0: You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. I run the risk this morning of simply teaching and this would be the danger of coming to this passage in Romans. Why? Actually coming to all of Romans. Why? Because Romans is a bit of, uh, we might call it a systematic theology that Paul preaches or wrote to the church in Rome. It's going through a detailed explanation of what the Christian faith is all about. And because of that, the letter in and of itself is a teaching thing. And yet Paul does not intend for this letter to simply be a tool that's used in the church to make people's heads bigger. I almost said fatter, okay? Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word. He doesn't just want fat heads, right? He wants people to hear and know about Jesus. So anything that he's teaching in here is not simply a picture of the thing, right? It is the thing itself. He wants us to know who Jesus is for us. And that's why, as we're going through these couple of verses today, Paul is going to use over and over again that word, us. Right? Why? That's because he is writing to a bunch of people that are saved by Jesus. It's also why we can take that word, us, and read it as us, and why I'm going to read it this morning as you. Okay? One of the things I've always worked to do, and I'll keep on working to do, is that when the gospel is presented at Anchored, it's not just an idea, okay? And it's definitely not a possibility, okay? It is something that's always present tense, that is, right now. It's always without exception, that is, everyone that is listening this morning can hear and receive the good news about Jesus, and it's always for you. That is, you're one of those people that I'm talking about. More than that, if we wanted to say it like this, because maybe you're going to come back at me once again and say, Wade, you know that I'm a Christian. You know that I'm saved. True. True. And once again, you need to hear that that good news is for you. Because everything out in the world last week and out in the world this week is going to be teaching you that there is no good news for you. When we are sitting in darkness in our homes, right? I'm not going to lie. My mind was going to dark places this week, right? All of a sudden, you know, I, I, an author that I love died this week And uh, I don't know the man. I don't know anything about the man other than what he's written in fiction, okay? Literally know nothing about him. What I do know, though, is he wrote a beautiful story about a father and son. And then all of a sudden, he died. I'm thinking about the stories written. I'm missing my dad. Then I find out now it's Father's Day. It's dark. We're all living in darkness. All right, your mind can go to dark spaces, we need to be reminded of this good news each and every week and in every single one of life's circumstances. Last week, Tim read for us um, that God's word, this comes from Romans chapter 4, verse 13, that God's word of promise, that is the gospel, comes to us and gives us a righteousness. How does that happen? By giving us faith. And I'll say it again. Oh, don't hate me, don't hate me. How does faith come to us? By hearing. Thank you. If I've catechized you all in any way, it's that way right there, right? So, in fact, our righteousness gets accounted to us. Why? Uh, Because you might remember last week we were talking about God's math and how it doesn't always seem to add up to us, right? It goes topsy-turvy on us. And, And we think in our human nature that if we can just do something, then that'll be good enough. Surely God's got to honor it. In fact, this is the basis of all religions in the world. This is even the basis of how you work in the world. If I just do this one thing, then my boss will clearly notice that and be appreciative of me. All right, this is the way that the whole world works. Instead, Jesus mixes up the math. He came to Matthew last week and he said, Hey, tax collector, you're all about making sure the columns add up, mainly in your column. You're you're all about making sure the columns add up. And let me just tell you something. There's nothing in your column. There's nothing in your column, but I'm going to put all of myself in that column, and I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you salvation, and I'm going to deliver it to you through your ears. What did he say to Matthew? Come and follow me. He delivered the promise to Matthew. Matthew heard it because he heard it. He believed He followed Jesus, and not only that, but then we saw Jesus sitting with tax collectors and sinners, and the math didn't add up. How in the world could this man be righteous, and yet he's sitting with all these unrighteous people? Uh, Because the unrighteousness of the sinner is not what affects Jesus. He affects them by putting his righteousness on them. And that's where we're at here in Romans chapter 5 this morning. Uh, Let me read for us the first five verses, even though we skipped that in our previous reading. Because there's two things that I want us to take away from these first five verses. Really, it's the introduction to the verses that we already read. But I want us to see peace, and I want us to see hope. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, now, I know, I know that could sound like it goes against everything that I just said to you, right? Oh, you mean the faith that I worked up in myself. No. <laughs> the faith that was delivered to you by Christ, okay? Since therefore we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So now we have peace with him. Right now in the present, we have peace with God because of something that He has done for us in the past and a promise that is sealed for us in the future. Through Him we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We've got a big puzzle to try to put together here. All right? These are all words that you're familiar with. And every time we become familiar with words like, I love you, it can become dangerous. Right? We talked about that last week as well. And so here we are recognizing a lot of words like hope. We now have hope. But Paul's not leaving there a blank space there for you to fill in. Oh, okay, well, here's what I'm hoping for from God in the future. No, no. Paul is specifically talking about salvation. And he is acknowledging the fact that right now, you have peace with God because of something that Christ did for you in the past. You have a promise that you have received from God because of what Jesus has done for you. And because of that, you know that the salvation that you possess right here, right now, is good all the way into the future forever. This is how Paul is defining hope. This hope is not, uh, well, I hope this happens. No, hope is the knowledge that the salvation that is yours now will be yours forever. And then we come to verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. What is this weakness here? Uh, Look, I'm not going to lie. I I understand why it's translated like this, but it comes across a little bit weak. What is the weakness that we're talking about here? Is it physical strength? Uh, uh, No, no, it's not physical strength. What are we talking about here? We are talking about our godlessness. While we were still weak, i.e., While you were without God, while you were godless and without any goodness, Paul is saying, Christ died for you. And he did this at just the right time. Now this is a passage that we would typically uh, hear both at Christmas and at Easter, at just the right time. Are we talking about Christmas or Easter right now? No, we're past Easter now. What are we talking about for you sitting in the chair right now? We're talking about right now. okay? At the right time. When is the right time? Right now. Christ died for you right now. Did it? Okay, yeah, I get it. I know how timelines work. It happened in the past. Okay? But for you right now, Jesus' death on the cross is just as real as it was just under 2,000 years ago. At just the right time, when you were godless and without any goodness, Christ died for you. When is the right time? When you were a sinner. When you were a sinner, He died for you. But God, okay, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. This is, ugh, sometimes it feels like we're just talking in circles. Let's try to, the, let's try to flatten out this circle a little bit, okay? What, it, what is Paul saying here? Uh, he's saying, look, if you saw someone that was really worth dying for, you might do it. You might do it. Maybe even for someone that was almost worth dying for. You might do it. But what about someone that's not worth dying for? We make these judgments all the time. You step back and you say, "Eh, if he dies, he dies. It happens. Maybe not in a physical sense. Maybe not bullets flying through the air and you have the opportunity to jump in front of one but we make decisions like this all the time. And Paul's saying, looking at you all, looking at us, well, it wasn't much worth dying for. From every other perspective, God should have looked at us. The the balance didn't add up, and he should have said, "Ah, not sure they're worth it. Instead, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Okay. God's love towards you is so great that while you had no worth, he died to give you worth. Of course, I've used his name over my allotted limit today, but Martin Luther said it this way, and I love the way he said it. The love of God does not find but creates that which is pleasing to it. The love of God does not find but creates that which is pleasing to it. As I was thinking through this passage, and I uh, was kind of retranslating translating that first verse, verse 6, while you were godless and without any goodness. <laughs> I, could, I was almost hearing this echo of, of, of Genesis chapter 1. When you were formless and void, right? When you were without anything good, God created you anew by His love. What kind of love is this? Is Paul now going to go on to describe what love is? Is he going to give us a definition of love? Is he going to wax eloquently about all the different varieties of love that there are? No. We have a definition of love. In fact, it's the truest definition of love that we could find anywhere in in the Bible or in the world. And that is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How does God show love to you by giving His only Son? And unlike when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is saying, teach me something, to you, Anchored Baptist Church, God is saying specifically this morning, not just that He so loved the world that He gave His only Son, He's saying, I so loved you that while you were a sinner, I sent my son to die for you. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, justified, what is this again? Being made right and righteous before God. Paul goes on to say, much more will we be saved by him by him from the wrath of God. Um, this is kind of hard to put together what Paul's saying. Maybe you're reading it very plainly and you're like, no, wait, I get it. Uh, <laughs> but I'll be honest, maybe I just read it too much and now it seems jumbled. How, how is Paul making these jumps? How is he making the jump from being saved from our sin? So let's just say it right. We're saved in the present right now from our sin. What is he also saying, though? He's saying Jesus' love for you was so great that his saving work for you on the cross didn't just save you right here, right now. Didn't just make you at peace with God right here, right now. But he has rescued you from all of God's wrath in the future. All the judgment that was yours has fallen on you. Jesus. There is nothing left for you in the wrath department. It all went to Jesus. Every drop of it. So you're not just at peace right now. You also have hope for the future. Because not only is there nothing standing between you and God right now, there's nothing standing between you and forever presence with God in the future. Alright, so let's connect last week and this week. Because of a sure future promise, we are secured in the present by Jesus' sacrifice. Not only that, okay, so Paul's Paul's trying to deepen what this love of God means for us, okay? He's deepening it for us. Not only are you, you safe and secure now, not only is there no wrath for you in the future, but... He's going to say it later like this. The life that you now live, you live in Christ. Your life is now Christ's life. That is how sure the promise is. You, sitting in front of me right now, that's how sure your promise is. God does not look at you and see just you. He sees his son and all of his son's righteousness placed on you. So the life that you now have is not just your life, it is Jesus' life put on you. Okay, now we've got to stretch a little bit. Okay, let's stretch a little bit because we're going we're gonna to get into some difficult territory here. Not really difficult, but it's going to sound confusing, so we're going to have to do some work. Um, let me make sure I didn't miss anything. I probably missed something. We're going to keep going. Um, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, And death through sin, so death spread to all men. Okay, okay. so just as sin came into the world through one man, who's this one man? Oh, how unfair is that? How unfair is that? Who was in charge? Adam was in charge, yeah? And what did he do? He sinned! That's right. There's no excuses to be made. Fathers of the household. I hate to say it, but that's the role you're in. All right? Um, So, one man, and then there was sin from that one man. That sin from that one man led to death. And we, we could skip over the next part, and we could say, which also led to death for all. Right? But also... Why? Because we we, we took on Adam's sin as our own. But also, Paul puts in there that um, because all sinned, right? So what's the easiest way of saying this? I'm going to try to do it right, but this is what I usually say. You are a sinner. Are you a sinner? I'll ask you a question. Are you a sinner because you sin? No. You sin because you're a sinner, Is that the right way of saying it now? All right, so you're not just a sinner because you sin. You, oh man, I'm gonna need some help here. I'm pulling a Paul all of a sudden. That's right. You sin because you're a sinner. It's both and. It's both and. And this is what Paul is saying it's both and. You received sin. And you're also a sinner who is sinning, okay? And you received death, both from Adam and you earned it for yourself. It used to be um, when I would discipline our children, I would always use the language of, you earned this, okay? (laughs) This is what you've earned for yourself. Um, and uh, this is what Paul is telling us here. You both inherited it, and it's something that you have earned for yourself. For sin, indeed... Okay, now this is where it's going to get a little bit confusing. I'm going to read verse 12, and then I'm going to read verse 15. Okay, are you with me? Everyone with me? All right. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned, but... The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. All right, I skipped two verses there. Why? Paul's doing something funny in verses 13 and 14. Let's read them and see just what he's up to. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. Hey, why is it so important that there's no more wrath stored up for us, that Jesus took it all? And where did this wrath even come from? Well, actually, if I were to go back to... Let me see if I can make this right. Uh, If I were to go back to Romans 4, chapter 15, uh, the law, it says, is what brings wrath. Well, that's a funny thing to say. What do you mean the law brings wrath? All right, let's go back to our illustration from this morning. You ready? The law is good, the law is helpful. The law is necessary, but do you know what the law does? It condemns. it brings wrath. You know what the law can't do? It can't bring righteousness. There is no righteousness according to the law, Paul tells us. Yeah. So it's good that there's no more wrath for us. Why? Because we're no longer living according to the law. We're living according to that good news and that good name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's been placed on us. So let's now hear what Paul is saying. For sin was indeed in the world before the law was given. When the law was given, knowledge of your sin led to wrath. Right? Law led to wrath. But sin is not counted where there is no law. All right, so, is Paul saying that before Moses, everyone was just automatically forgiven? No, no. We know that's not true, right? Because we're still carrying Adam's sin, and sin was still, and Adam was still noted as a sinner. All right. So he's making a complex argument. Actually, I'll be honest with you. His argument here doesn't exactly square up to me, simply because it's difficult to understand. All right? but let's keep walking with him. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. Here, Paul seems to be talking about the fact that we inherited some of Adam's sin, um, and that our sin doesn't affect other people Let me say it like this our sin does affect other people. We're not Adam. That's the point. All right? And he's saying there was still sin before the law, it was just a little bit different. But then when the law came, You were held accountable to it, and the wrath of God was placed upon you because you are condemned by the law. Why? Because there's no righteousness in the law. The righteousness that you need has to be given to you. It has to be created in you. It has to be loved onto you by the death of Jesus. Because the love of God does not find what is lovable, but rather creates what is lovable in you. And so verse 15 but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, okay, let's, let's say it again like this, many people died because of Adam's sin, right? But Adam wasn't God. Jesus is God. Because of that, this free gift is not like the trespass. This free gift is much more than that Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. What is Paul saying to us here? He's saying that that one act on the cross can forgive Adam's sin, and it can forgive every sin that is followed after Adam. Wait. We've prayed a prayer of forgiveness, or a, a, a prayer asking for forgiveness. We've received that forgiveness. Pretty soon we're going to go to the Lord's table and we're going to hear about that forgiveness once again. Uh, but, but what about the sin that I do after that? What about that one? That one too. That one too. You know what? If you were to ask that question, which we all ask that question because we're silly little humans, okay? Okay. If we ask that question when we ask that question, it's almost like we're saying, oh, I wasn't sinning when I was going up to the Lord's table this morning. Let's be honest with ourselves. This is the complex nature of this passage. You are 100% saved by Jesus, counted as righteous. Nothing stands between you and God today or in eternity and yet you are still 100% a sinner. Man, that's hard to swallow. It's hard to swallow. It's also why we need to hear each and every day, and especially each and every week, that that free gift given to us on the cross is ours. Yes, it's something that happened in the past, but it's something that happened for you right now at just the right time. It's something that holds nothing back from you. It is God giving all of Himself to you always and forever without fail. You are at peace with God and You can have hope in this world because no matter what happens to you today or tomorrow, that peace with God is going to carry on from this day into eternity. Jesus has created in you what is lovable. You live his life uncondemned. Jesus has created in you what is lovable. And now you live his life uncondemned. Anchored Baptist Church, you are set free from your sin on account of Jesus. I'll tell you what, that was a lot of work that we did to get to that very simple little phrase, isn't it? Now, well, that's why I'm always so afraid to preach Paul. Because <laughs> he does a lot of work to get us to some very simple truths. And yet, that's only because. We are constantly telling ourselves that those simple truths can't be true. But they are. They are true. They are true for you right now. They are true for you forever. And they are true for you without any exceptions. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.